good morning once again. Um, we are excited again to share with you this morning uh, some scenes from early Advent pioneers. Mind you, they were not early Seventh-day Adventist pioneers yet. Um, many of these early Advent believers had come from multiple denominations, but the thing that held them together and in common was the belief that the Lord was indeed coming very soon. In the spring of 1844, there had already been a disappointment, as many had believed that Christ would come in April. It was then that, as the, the scriptures were re-looked at, that William Miller, because of much urging from uh, others in that group of believers, of Millerites, had been pressing and pressing on him to find a date. As he went back through the scriptures, he did find that there was going to be the cleansing of the sanctuary that was going to be happening in the fall of 1844, and they finally arrived at October 22nd in what we think of in our early Advent history as the Great Disappointment. So this is going to take you through a few scenes that would have been happening in Washington, New Hampshire, which is one of the earliest meeting places of the early Adventists, and later the, one of the first actual official Seventh-day Adventist church, as some of the believers that came there had come from the Seventh-day Baptist. So after the disappointment, um, as they went on clinging to their faith and wanting to know how they had looked or interpreted these scriptures a little incorrectly, eventually those, those different beliefs come together out of all different denominations, um, the truths that God had been keeping in the Bible for for centuries. And so this gives you a little idea. So it's our prayer as we present this to you this morning that you put yourself in that mindset, but also to think about what can we see and learn from these early Advent believers that we would want to actually incorporate into our own lives. How forward, how much do we look forward each and every day, long for, strive for the Lord to be coming? Are we truly reaching out to our, our neighbors and friends? Are we showing that love of Christ to them? Is it our most burning desire that we can help to share this message so that everyone, as many as possible, can be ready? Because, friends, I believe in my heart that is why at times we think he seems to be tarrying. God does not want anyone to be lost. So let's think about that, and I hope you enjoy this program. I would also like to um, thank so much our volunteer chimes teachers. We were able to start chimes up again in January, and we have opened that up, and now we've incorporated our, our homeschool community in. And so I really want to thank uh, Miss Kelly and um, uh, Matt here for helping in coming each Friday. And uh, so I hope you enjoy those, those songs of the chimes as well. So um, I pray that you will get a blessing today.
see your Lord a-coming, you will see your Lord a-coming, you will see your Lord a-coming in a few more days. <sighs> October 22nd, 1844. Our last meeting in our Sunday church we were singing, You will see your Lord a-coming in just two more days. Two more days. It was hard to believe. It seemed like only yesterday we were saying, Two months till the Lord comes. Then one month to go. This time next week. Five days, four days, three days. And then it was just two days. Frightening in a way, wonderful, yet scary, and perhaps even a teeny bit sad. I used to worry about whether or not I would have time to get married before the Lord came. Oh, sorry. I guess I haven't introduced myself. I'm Cyrus, Cyrus Farnsworth. I'm the next to the youngest son of Mr. and Mrs. Daniel Farnsworth. And I've lived here in Washington all my life. It's strange, though, because when my grandparents moved to this area over 75 years ago, there wasn't even a village here yet. I guess you could say that the Farnsworths were among the pioneers of Washington. But Washington wasn't going to be on the map for very much longer, because we were looking for the Lord to return to this earth on October 22nd. That was just two days from Sunday. It was hard to believe when you looked around at the farm, the lake, the big maple tree, this little white church, all the places that we knew so well. They were all going to be burned up in just two days. But it was real because the Bible said so. On the 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. It was all going to happen in just two days. 1844 was quite the year. It seemed like everything important that ever happened took place during that year. It started with the arrival of Miss Oaks to teach at our school. And the late Oaks, well, let's just say she was as pretty as her name. And if it hadn't been for the Lord coming so soon... I would have asked her to marry me. Then her mother, Mrs. Rachel Oakes, came over from Vernon, New York. She told us that she was a Seventh-day Baptist. That means that she kept Saturday instead of Sunday. But there weren't any other Seventh-day Baptists around, so she agreed to keep Sunday with us. But she wasn't too pleased with some of the things our parson, Elder Wheeler, said. Join me as we relive the scene in my boyhood home a few days after Mrs. Oakes arrived. Miss Farnsworth, I must say again how grateful I am for your kindness in making me welcome here. You have all been so kind to me. Oh, it's a pleasure, Mrs. Oakes. Your daughter, Delight, seems to enjoy staying with us, and we certainly enjoy having her here. Delight is such a help with the cooking and housekeeping, and after teaching her class all day, too. Oh, I am sure the Lord led me here, Mrs. Farnsworth. If I hadn't come here to stay with you, I am sure that I wouldn't have understood the prophecies about the Lord's coming this year. I would have never been ready. I would have perished with all the wicked. Yes, Delight has hardly been able to talk of anything else. And after visiting your lovely little church last Sunday, why, I could just... Oh, someone at the door. Excuse me. Thank you, my sister. 
I was just visiting with your son, William, and his family. And I thought I'd stop by for just a few minutes. Thank you, Cyrus. It's a fine lad you have there, Sister Farnsworth. Hello, Delight, and Mrs. Oaks. I saw you in my congregation last Sunday, and I've been wanting to make your acquaintance. And I wanted to meet you too, Elder Wheeler. Do you remember in your communion service last Sunday, you said that if we confess Jesus Christ, we should obey all of the commandments of God? Yes, I did say that, Sister Oaks. Well, I came near getting up in the meeting right then and saying something. Yes, I noticed that too. But what did you have in mind to say? I wanted to tell you that you better set that communion table back and put a cloth over it until you begin to keep all of the commandments of God. Whatever do you mean, Sister Oaks? Would you pass my Bible, dear? Oh boy. It's right here in Exodus chapter 20. The Bible says in the fourth commandment that the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. But you keep the first day. You observe Sunday instead of the Lord's Sabbath. I have never thought the fourth commandment of being all that important as far as the actual day was concerned. Sister Oaks, you are right when you say the fourth commandment tells us to keep the seventh day holy. And true, Christ himself kept it while he was here on earth. But at the cross, the law was changed and... Show me one text of scripture which proves that Christ changed the Sabbath from the seventh day to the first. Well, I'm sure there are several texts somewhere. Let's see, somewhere here in Luke. Uh, no. Did you find it yet? Sister Oaks, I understand that you are an adherent of the Seventh-day Baptist faith, and I do respect the doctrinal viewpoints of the Seventh-day Baptist. But you see, we of the Advent near believe that the true truth for this hour is the imminent return of Jesus Christ. True. Sometime during the spring of this very year. We of the Advent Near have come out of so many of the great churches of our day. For instance, William Miller was a Baptist. Many believers are Congregationalists. And I'm a circuit preacher of the Methodist Church. Well, that's pretty obvious. We do not expect Adventists to give up any particular doctrines of their churches, and neither do we expect them to force their beliefs on all other Adventists. Do you see that? Mr. Wheeler, since when do we ignore a clear commandment of God as an unimportant truth? For Christ said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Do you love Christ, Mr. Wheeler?
I wish you could have been there that evening last spring. Elder Wheeler went home quite confused. But he studied the text that Mrs. Oakes gave him and came to the conclusion that she really was right about keeping Saturday instead of Sunday. He even preached a sermon about it at his church at Hillsborough. That's about, mm, 15 miles east of here. But they didn't like it. He must really believe it, though, because he and Mrs. Wheeler keep the Sabbath privately at home. And Delight and her mother join them most times. Delight thinks we should all be doing the same thing, but it doesn't seem to matter which day we keep, in view that the Lord's coming so soon. Most of us expected that the Lord would return to this earth during the spring of this year, but it didn't happen. And we all felt disappointed and defeated inside. But many of us had been forced out of our churches in the belief of his coming. And we couldn't face the thought of just crawling back and saying, I made a mistake! What else could we do? So, we spent the late spring and most of that summer feeling rather blue and discouraged inside. But we tried not to show it on the outside because we knew the Bible was true. Well, that's about how it was two months ago. But then, in the middle of August, something exciting happened. Let's join my brother William and his family at home. One day in August, when they heard something really astounding. Guess we're about ready for supper, dear. Um, go ahead, child. Sure, it's hot out here this afternoon. What's the making, my dear? It's a cardigan for young Stephen. I started it last winter, but then we thought the Lord was coming in the spring, so I just put it aside. But if we're still here this winter, Stephen will need something warm. He's outgrown the one I needed for John three or four years ago. Oh, William, I know it looks as if I don't have faith in his coming, but we've got six children who will be cold this winter if we are still here. I'm thinking that you are doing the right thing, Sally, but I know the feeling you have about it. Every time I walk past our potato patch, I wonder if I did right in planting them in the first place. Yes, we thought we'd be in glory before this, but the fact is, we're not. And we can't tell whether he'll come before this winter. So I guess it's business as usual. The hard thing is not knowing when he is coming. Yes, if only we could tell whether he would come before this year, the month even. William, we haven't been to a camp meeting all summer. No, Sally, we haven't. Seems like we've lost some of our enthusiasm for camp meetings this summer. Willis Huntley wanted us to go along with them to the camp meeting in Exeter. I guess we should have gone along. Remember how those camp meetings always used to make us so excited about the Lord's coming? Made it seem so certain and so soon. I suppose the meetings at Exeter will be over by now. Though I haven't seen any of the Huntleys around, have you? Dexter will be over by now, though I haven't seen any of the Huntleys around. Have you? 
Paul, Mr. and Mrs. Huntley are here. Mr. Huntley asked me whether or not you were out in the hayfield, but I told him you were in here. Supper ready yet, Ma? No, not for an hour yet, John. You still got time to do your chores if you start right away. It's too hot out there to be choring. This is just a brief visit. We all got back from camp meeting this morning. <clears throat> we have some exciting truth to share with you folk, and with all of our believers in Washington. New truth? From scripture? Yes. William and Sally, the Lord is coming nine weeks from now, October 22nd of this year. Is this true? October 22nd? How, How do you know? know? It's true. Brother Snow explained it to us at camp meeting. Who is this Brother Snow? How does he know? Does he know from the Bible? Yes, it is in the scripture. Unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. We've all known how this verse refers to the cleansing of the earth by fire at the second coming of Christ, haven't we? But what we didn't understand was that this verse actually refers back to the annual cleansing of the Hebrew sanctuary on the Day of Atonement. It's all there in Leviticus. And according to the Jewish calendar, the Day of Atonement this year falls on October 22nd. So doesn't it make sense that the Lord would cleanse this earth of all of its sin on the Day of Atonement, the Day of Cleansing, October 22nd, 1844? Isn't it amazing that we didn't see it before and Brother Snow explained it so well? Who is this Brother Snow? Samuel Snow, you must have seen some of his... Some of his articles in the Midnight Cry earlier this year. He explained it to us at camp meeting. William, I wish you and Sally could have been at the meetings. They were the best camp meeting I've ever been at. And such a revival experience. And it was the best attended camp meeting we've had so far. People came from all over New England, some from Canada even. It's strange, but even before the meeting started, we all felt like something was going to happen. You know how there's been a slackening of interest in camping since the disappointment last spring? But there was such a large group of believers at Exeter and this uncanny feeling that the Lord was about to reveal something new to us. Then Brother Snow arrived halfway through the week. Yes, it was on the third day of the meetings. Brother Joseph Bates had been invited to speak. See, he's a retired sea captain from Fairhaven, Massachusetts. It was a hot day, muggy and no breeze, kind of like today. He was, he'd been preaching maybe not long, maybe about 10 minutes into his sermon, and the congregation was asleep, or nigh, on half of it. Mind you, his sermon was good on the blessed hope, but there seemed to be no life in it. Isn't that the way we've all been feeling since last spring? Yeah, but he'd been preaching for quite a while. Halfway through his sermon, when one of the sisters got, when we noticed a rider dismount from a panting horse right outside of the meeting circle. Turned out to be Brother Samuel Snow. And a little while later, one, sisters, one of the sisters got up and interrupted Brother Bates. She said, Brother Bates, it's too late now to go, to go over and over what we already know so well. There's someone here with a special message to share with us. And it'll be meat in due season. Poor Brother Bates. What did he say? That's the thing. He seemed to be expecting it. He stopped talking, invited Brother Snow to come forward. Brother Snow came to the front, took over, and just started preaching. Brother Snow was telling us all about what he'd been learning in the Old Testament about the Day of Atonement and how it'll all end with the second coming of Christ on October 22nd. It was astounding. Well, Praise the Lord! That's what everyone was shouting at the meeting. I just wish you guys could have been there. It was like, like if a great wind suddenly sprung up and rustled the leaves of a maple tree. A wonderful meeting. Thrilling! So Christ is coming back on October 22nd? Why, that's only nine weeks from now. 
But at last, we'll all go home. Sally, you won't have to finish this sweater after all. Is Jesus really coming back on October 22nd, Mom? Yes, Sonny. He's really coming. Isn't it just wonderful? The devil sure tried to make our lives miserable, miserable during those last few weeks. It was especially hard when people who used to be your friends suddenly changed and became your enemies. Several of my old school friends taunted and ridiculed me whenever our paths crossed. Some of our believers right here in Washington had rocks thrown at them. One man even had his barn burned down. But Christ said to be happy when men persecute and revile you because they persecuted him too. And in just two days, Christ would come and destroy all the wicked, and there would be no more fear or hate. Today is Sunday, October 20th. What would have been the last meeting in our Sunday church if the Lord had come? It was a crisp fall morning, and they had sent me along early to light the fires so that it would be cozy and warm when everyone got there. In my imagination, I can just see the people showing up. In just a moment, why don't you join us as we relive that last Sunday sermon together?
Dear brothers and sisters of the Advent near, this is both a solemn and a joyous occasion. <coughs> solemn because this is the last time that we shall meet together in Sabbath fellowship here <coughs> on this old earth. Joyous because the day for which we have so long awaited for is about to burst upon us. Just two days from now, on Tuesday, our Lord and Savior will appear from the skies to take his faithful ones home. Amen. Amen. There will be shouts of joy and triumph as thousands of Advent believers are lifted bodily from this earth to their home beyond the stars. Amen. There at last is rest, my brothers and sisters. Rest from persecution. Rest from heartache. Rest from the weariness of age. Rest from the turbulence of youth. Eternal rest. This morning, I do not plan to preach a sermon. Amen. I want merely to go over a few words of scripture. It is a scripture which every Adventist has heard and repeated many times. It is the scripture which Father Miller himself has used most frequently in his preaching. It is the very heart of the midnight cry. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they did not take any extra oil. But when the wise took their lamps, they took extra oil along with them. And while the bridegroom was delayed in coming, they all began to sleep and slumber. But at midnight a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out and meet him. Friends, the hour of midnight is indeed here. In recent days and weeks, the cry has gone forth everywhere. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out and meet him. And in response to the cry, the wise ones from every town and village have arisen and trimmed their lamps and now stand ready for the arrival of the bridegroom. It has been a long and a painful time of waiting, a time of suffering, a time of fear, a time of persecution and heartache, a time when we as believers have been sorely tempted to give up our faith. But the time of waiting is almost over, We're almost there. Eternity is just before us. Now, let us listen to a song that we all know and love. Awake my soul.
Velvet, Elder Wheeler, to tell you all how much I've been longing <coughs> for this day that Christ is coming. <coughs> Why, I know we've all been so anxious as we've been waiting for our Lord to return. Why, it was only two years ago that we all accepted the truth of this Advent message. Amen. Do you all remember when Brother Joshua Goodwin came and preached that first Advent message right here in our little church in Washington? Amen. Amen. And we accepted that truth, and what a glorious message it was. Amen. But I, I also must confess that I have been discouraged these past couple of years, I know that as we've been waiting and, and longing, that we've all faced many hardships. We've all endured so many of these hardships as we've been waiting, and, but as all of you, I'm sure, you thank God, as I thank God, that he's given me the strength to carry on. Amen. May each of us cling to this word of God as we wait out these final days and hours. Amen. Amen. As Sister Stoll has just been speaking, as Sister Stoll has just been speaking of the trials and hardships we have experienced during these last two years, but how many of you remember? Remember that night, just three years ago, when we met in my son William's house to discuss the idea of forming a Christian society here on the outskirts of Washington? How many of you remember that night? Nope. It was that night, my friends, that we signed an agreement to build this little white church as our meeting house on Sundays. As we met together that night at William's house, not one of us could have foreseen that the Lord would be here in three years to take us all home to heaven. I suppose we would not have taken the trouble to build this church had we known it would only serve us for three years. But this morning, I praise God that most of the families who met together that night, three years ago, are here, ready and waiting for the Lord's return. Amen. Amen. I'm especially glad that all the members of my family are with me in this joyous hour. Amen. As um, Sister Farnsworth has been speaking, I could not help remembering the day this past spring when I arrived here in Washington. As you all know, I had come to be near my daughter Delight, who was teaching in the schoolhouse. I remember as I alighted from the coach in Washington Center, I was feeling cold and tired. But there was dear brother Farnsworth with his buggy waiting to take me home where dear sister Farnsworth had a warm bath and a bed ready for me. So I praise God for the wonderful Farnsworth family. I also want to thank God because he used the Farnsworths to teach me this wonderful truth of the near advent of Jesus Christ. I also want to thank God for the knowledge of the true Sabbath which I accepted when I was baptized into the Seventh-day Baptist faith many years ago. God blesses those who seek to obey all of his commandments. Amen. My friends, <clears throat> there's something that worries me this morning. As we gather here today, many of you might have noticed that all the members of the Ball family are not present with us. I believe I know why they're unable to be here today. About two years ago, Brother Ball acquired a large debt, which he has been unable to repay. When I talked to him a few weeks ago, he was much concerned about the debt and how he wanted to be free of it before the Lord returns. He has tried to do that by selling everything that he and his family own. They've sold all of their furniture, their dray, and their wagon. I believe that is why they're unable to come here today. But in spite of selling everything, Brother Ball still has a considerable debt remaining. It worries him very much, and I wish that we could help him in some way. Many of us have been blessed with means, and I wish and I would urge that we use these means to alleviate Brother Ball's debt. Amen. 
Brother Huntley, I understand that there are one or two other Adventist believers who have unpaid debts at this time. I believe that these dear folk are rightly concerned about these obligations. For the word of God admonishes us to owe no man anything. So I think we truly do have a Christian need to help our needy believers as they seek to be truly ready for the Lord to return. Many of us have been blessed with means which will be entirely useless in just two days. Then we shall live on streets of gold. Amen. I would like to suggest that we take up a collection right here this morning to help our believers free themselves from their debts before the Lord comes. Sister Stoll, will you appoint some of the brethren to wait on us? And I would urge that we empty our pockets and purses in the cause of our needy believers. Brothers and sisters, these finals, final hours of waiting will be the most difficult ones for us, and we will need a great deal of patience to endure. <sighs> Let us spend these last remaining hours in meditation from the scriptures and in prayer. Let us cling together as families and visit one another and encourage one another as the great day of God approaches. The Lord willing, Mrs. Wheeler and I will be here about sunrise on Tuesday. Unless, perchance, the Lord has already come before that hour. We spend, we plan to spend, the last remaining hours on this earth in God's house. May we encourage each of you to join us as we wait and sing and pray and wait for the Lord to return. <clears throat> Friends, as we have revisited a crucial time in the early Advent movement known as the Great Disappointment, let us not be discouraged by the fact that the Lord did not return to Earth on October 22, 1844. But instead, let us be encouraged that Christ himself is interceding for us before the Father's throne. And though we know not the hour, we do know that we do know and believe that he is coming very soon. We must learn much from the Adventist pioneers in living even and every day with the same longing, excitement, and hope. May we each examine our own hearts and relationships with Christ so that we may truly desire to encourage and help others to be ready. 1 Peter 3.9 from the Message Version reminds us, Don't overlook the obvious here, my friends. With God, one day is as good as a thousand years, a thousand years as a day. God isn't late with his promises, as some measure lateness. He is restraining himself on account of you, holding back the end because he does not want anyone to be lost. He is giving everyone space and time to change. We can be thankful that we have a God who will arrive right on time. Let's keep encouraging one another, as did the early Adventist pioneers, as we wait out these final days and hours of Earth's history. Even so, come, Jesus, come. And Rick will have our closing prayer.
Amen. Thank you uh, all, uh, to all the students for all their hard work. You guys put in a lot of work, obviously, to memorize all your lines and get into all these costumes. And we appreciate all your efforts in bringing us a good message this morning. Bow your heads with me, please. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this beautiful day. And thank you for the message that we could have this morning that um, we have the example from believers over 175 years ago or 175 years ago that were searching for truth. And I would just pray this morning that each of us would take a lesson from that, that we ourselves don't just take for granted the truth that we have, that we also search the scriptures and know in what we believe. And I would just ask that you would bless our school Bless the students who have brought us this message this morning. We thank you for them and for all of the talents that they bring to our church. We thank you for the blessing of having them here with us. We ask that you would bless us as we go out this week, that each person that we meet would have no doubt that we have a relationship with you because we're a witness to them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.